Bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson, and my co-hosts tonight are Chris Waring, Kieran Gibson, and Daniel Friend. No Miles Steadman this week. He's busy again. Friendy, I'll start with you. Your bold prediction came up last week, mate. You said that six back rowers would cross the stripe, and was it exactly six, or was there even more? Yeah, exactly six second rowers crossed over. Uh, I had needed one to come up in the last game, and Hudson Young uh, crashed over. So that was good. There was a few locks and a couple of props as well. But yeah, uh, six second rowers. So two weeks in a row, a couple of bowls. Is that unprecedented waters in above the horizontal? Like, I, I think I think it might be. That's two in a row. It's excellent work, Friendy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well done. Chris Waring, you've been uh, on school holidays, of course, being a teacher, as has Friendy. Friendy's been enjoying his uh, his bold predictions coming up. Chris, you've been enjoying COVID. Um, how's, how's that going for you? Yeah, it's been great fun. Uh, it hasn't got me too bad, to be honest. So I've just been chilling at the, you know, chilling at home. So yeah, I'm going all right. If if you um, if you need anything to read, um, what I could do is I could just take some videos of me reading poetry, if you like, and I'll just send it through to you, if you want, up to you. Sounds good, mate. Uh, preferably shirtless, if that's okay. But uh. <laughs> anything for you, mate. And Kieran, I would do anything for you as well. We uh, we hung out uh, just last night. How are you going? Yeah, pretty well. Um, as far as I'm aware, I can't get COVID virtually, so I should be safe. Um, <laughs> I've been going. I can't remember too much of last week feels like a bit of a blur but the cowboys beat the broncos which was always a good thing to see uh and we could be second at the end of this round so yeah happy days there yes it would take an understrength storm to beat the sharks to keep the cowboys out of second because the cowboys have a bye so it'll be very interesting to see how that goes then we have a bunch of news to cover this week but before we do that let's jump into wildcard awards chris you're sick as a dog, so why don't you give us a sick-as wildcard award? All right, so I don't have a particularly fancy name for it, but it's been referenced um, a few times, a bit of ongoing trend, but just uh, some dumbass in the media. It's regarding, <laughs> uh, as Friendy's mate I'm talking about, um, old bullfrog. <laughs> um, so it's regarding Latrell Mitchell and his decision to opt out of Origin. Um, and it was just an article that, was also touched on by um, Buzz Rothfield, friend of the show on NRL 360. <laughs> just in terms of looking at the um, the consequences for intentionally not making yourself available for Origin, I just thought it was highly ridiculous considering the the context of Latrell Mitchell and the and the games he's missed. And again, it's not even that he was might have he might I, I don't think he probably would have been selected mm-hmm. anyway, but. Um, just in terms of the, the minor controversy around it, and, you know, Latrell Mitchell is obviously a great New South Wales state player, and all love him there, but it's easy to understand with the injury context and, you know, he's trying to do the right thing by South, who've obviously spent a lot of money on him to try to get him right. I just thought that, and he was trying to obviously put the story to bed, but in terms of a lot of um, legacy rugby league media, that's impossible because they'll just go a thousand which ways with it and try to, point out the bad guy when you haven't necessarily done anything wrong. And in fact, you've probably done something right. 
He's so right in the fact that he's been named captain this week for the Rabbitohs, the first time he's ever been captain. Friendy, you are a Blues fan and you wanted, you actually said that you would like to see Latrell Mitchell at right centre uh, for Origin 3. How do you feel about the fact that he publicly said that he would uh, sit it out? Yeah, it's pretty mature. I, I thought it think buzz just he knows that latrell is going to get the clicks for his article or, or tv show eyes on that so yeah, he's just using latrell's name yet again um yeah i love latrell he's a gun i wish he was playing but quite mature to say that yeah i'm not quite right for an origin game it's a bit of a different beast to a club game so well done to latrell yeah that's that's the sentiment here as well kieran will you be uh will you be the dissenting voice here or do you agree uh, no, I definitely agree. And uh, if anyone's questioning his loyalty, if Latrell was to get injured during an Origin match, I can definitely see him playing on. So I think he's done what's uh, or done the mature thing and what's best for him probably at, at this point in time. So, yeah, kudos to him. Absolutely. Uh, no arguments here from me. Friendy, what's your wildcard award this week? Uh, my wildcard award this week, Bo, is the Where Did You Come From Cotton Eye Joe Award. <laughs> And it goes to, well, a few media types who are calling for a change again to the eligibility rules for state of origin. Um, basically, they're saying um, it's if you play state of origin, you should have to play for Australia. It, it's a dead set trial for Australia. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about guys like Ben Dobbin, Corey Parker, um, and a few others. Like That sort of shows how stupid the idea is. Um <laughs> I don't know where you guys sit on it, but I kind of like how it is now. I, I like the fact that guys, Brian Toto, Jerome Luai, who are born and bred New South Welshmen, but, so they can play State of Origin legitimately. Um, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. And then they can go and play for Samoa or Tonga or whoever it may be. I think it's great. I think the World Cup will be awesome. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it is now. Um, I, I do like... I think the only way to clear anything up and I don't know, it would be to make it where you're born, but it's just not going to happen. So mm. yeah, how it is now, yeah, it, it works for me. Yeah, where where you're born, frankly, doesn't work. I mean, like we, we've all talked about the no. Greg the Greg Inglis situation where he exactly. he really should have played for New South Wales. Let's be frank, as a Queenslander. Mm. But apart from the fact that he wanted to play for Queensland, of course. But um, like Peter Sterling at that point becomes a Queenslander. You know, like there's, there's just like Sam Friday is a is a New South Welshman because he was born in Sydney. You know, he grew up in Townsville, but he was born in Sydney. Like that, it, it just doesn't work. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm kind of with you, Kieran. Where do you sit in this? Um, I did talk about that. I, I'm not too happy with the fact that um, players that are born overseas that can can come here and play Origin. I don't know if that's necessarily. Um, when I reflect and think a bit more about it, my stance, I'm happy to keep it the way it is now, but I, I definitely don't want to keep chopping and changing. So I think, as Friendy said, the idea to change it now and the people that have suggested changing it, it, it kind of speaks to to how bad of an idea it is. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of... I said last night that if, if there's like half of the team aren't people that are actually born in Australia, I think that'd be a bit of a shame. I wouldn't really like to see that, but... Um, I think, yeah, if you've been in Australia, they've got the rules in place. I think it's before 13. I wouldn't mind if that was reduced to maybe a younger age. But, I mean, 13 is um, all of your senior football. So it's probably a fair enough age to pick. Mm. Um, And I'm probably just kind of picking a bone, just trying to pick a a better age. It's not really – it wouldn't make too much of a difference. So, yeah, I'm happy enough with with the rules at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm not not fully sure what my final – 
thoughts. Uh, in terms of Friendly's point, uh, I, which is a point I've, uh, I fully agree with in terms of, uh, for example, Jerome Luai and um, Brian Toa, you know, I'm from originally, like I'm at Blacktown Way and they're from Mount Druid-ish way. And, and a lot of that is socioeconomic identity. And, and you see that obviously with their, you know, their connection to where they're from and they take respect and pride with that when they play for Penrith. And obviously that's linked to the greater state identity. And that's something I fully accept where you, you also have, you know, the, the complexity of identity or allegiances or however you want to describe it in terms of, you know, being either Songan or, uh, sorry, Samoan or Tongan heritage, but also having that strong, you know, link to where you're from, for example, and that obviously links to your state. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, something that I like, I think this is to Kieran's point where you're touching on, in terms of the classification around certain nations, for example, where if say Tonga stays, let's, let's say let's assume Tonga stays tier two, and then New South Wales and Queensland is then made up of seventy five percent of players who are Tongan or Samoan representatives, and then that leaves people who are playing for Australia. I just think it's a weird thing to have, even conceptually. I guess it doesn't really matter, but conceptually to have players who aren't good enough, to, theoretically players who aren't good enough to play a state of origin, that that could then play for Australia. But... Oh, sorry, you go on. Uh, what I was going to yeah. say is, what I find odd is, like, you, you sort of touch on the fact that Tonga is currently a Tier 2 nation, and they're, they're really not far from Tier 1. We kind of want them to be Tier 1. So there could be a situation where suddenly, you know, somebody that's eligible for Tonga and New South Wales suddenly just goes, nah, screw it. Like, now that Tonga's tier one, like, now I'm cooked. Now I can't play for New South Wales anymore after playing a dozen games for them. That feels weird to me. So, But here's the yeah. devil's advocate question. Ronaldo Militalo is a good example of this because he didn't quite cut the mustard with the, the age, right, where he wanted to play for Queensland. So his fallback was playing for New Zealand. Played really well a couple of weekends ago for them. Jason Tamalolo would be a Queenslander. By the current rules, he plays for Tonga. I'm pretty confident he was in Queensland before he was 13. So, yes, he has played a bunch for New Zealand. Friendy, would you be okay with Jason Tamalolo taking on, you know, the number 10 jersey for Queensland? No way. He's way too good. (laughs) (laughs) But in theory? I know what you're saying. Uh, I guess so. If he meets the criteria, then, yeah, then he meets the criteria, doesn't he? I guess then people would have to, yeah, look, look at, changing that or i don't know I, i'm i'm pretty happy with how it is now so yeah if he was to meet that i, I guess he can play i think to i think to round this off i think the best way moving forward is literally every time someone signs their first nrl contract you identify are you eligible for state of yeah. origin and who for done and then you identify which nation will you be playing for and none of this like i'm playing for tonga now i'm playing for australia it's like you're Tonga or you're not, uh, especially if it's tier one. Kieran, what is your wildcard award this week? Um, so I'm not a huge fan of um, the title king being thrown or tossed around to players, but I think the most deserving player of the herald, heralded king title goes to Nathan Cleary. Uh, he put on another absolute clinic against the Roosters. When the Panthers looked up against it with just 20 minutes to go, and um, if there's one area of his game that has looked like it's needed improvement, it's turning around a game where the Panthers have looked like they're... They've been on the ropes a little bit. Um, not that that happens much. Um, I love watching him every week, and I hope he has an injury-free career because he's an absolute delight to watch and could even reach Townsend-like levels one day. <laughs> oh, what a tackle! 
up the horizontal. Let's just jump into uh, the next conversation, which is all about state of origin. Of course, the teams have been named. Uh, you brought up the fact that Nathan Cleary had an absolute clinic against the Roosters. It was even more so against the Maroons in game two. Uh, so, of course, he has kept his spot, although you have alluded to the fact that Townsend might be coming into the squad uh, in place of Nico Hines, who just failed a rat. Um, he's waiting on a PCR result for that. Uh, in terms of changes for New South Wales, uh, Jordan McLean is in, straight into the starting spot. He was in the squad in game two. Payne Haas is out with injury. Jack Whiten comes back into the squad after being COVID, uh, but he has not slotted back into the top 17, which I found very confusing. Um, for Queensland, just just the one change, really. Uh, Tommy Gilbert in, Felice Cafusi out for family reasons. So... What I want to ask is, Kieran, how do you feel about our fellow cowboy? Because obviously we're very involved with the club. Um, Tommy Gilbert coming in as a as a bench option, and Jeremiah Nanai moving to the starting squ- spot for Queensland. Uh, I'll start with Gilbert. I'm delighted for Gilbert. I think he deserved it probably from well, not necessarily deserved it from game one. There's a, a bit of competition there in the the forwards, but I, I don't think he would have looked out of place um, in game one. Mm. Um, and he um, a bit iffy on some players that did get picked and are still being picked, but alas, he's there now. Um, I really, I think he does a lot of tough stuff, tough, tough, but strong carries out of yardage. Um, he's often the first to put his hand up to take uh, a hit up when we're inside our own 10 meters. And he doesn't just like a lot of people talk about how they do, they take the, um, the, the tough runs, but they hardly go anywhere, but it's just so necessary. I feel like a lot of the time he still bends the line even when he's inside his own 10 meters and, and teams are trying to camp you down in your own end um, to win the possession um, territory battle. Uh, and he has a strong kick chase, great leg speed, which we, we talk about with Cotter a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, which has seen Gilbert score a couple of meat pies this season. Uh, I think he's made for Origin, has a, a great gas tank as well. I think he could easily play 80, which is why I'm a little worried that we've picked Nanai instead, who I don't think is is um, nearly uh, as well equipped to play 80 as Gilbert. Um, I would have started either Gilbert or Arrow. And then, as Chris said in the group chat, you, you bring Nanai off the bench because um, it is a bit of a weak link, I think. Um, I said before game one that Nanai against the Storm, and he did, he showed that he could um, defensively hold his own. And then in game two, there was some cracks that appeared, uh, that try that he let in with Luai. Um, mm. I think Gagai got, got yeah, um, negatively uh, turned into the villain for that a little bit. From the commentary box, at least, they were saying that he didn't do enough from Marker. Maybe he was at fault a little bit, but I felt like that was more on Nanai. Uh, he looked a bit lackadaisical even before Luai got the ball. He just kind of looked flat-footed and not as engaged as he should be in an Origin match. So, um, in an Origin 3 decider, that, that worries me a little bit. But at the same time, like I, I think back to Game 3 2020 when Arrow, Papali, or um, Arrow, Collins, and I think it was Tino. Those three in particular, I can remember putting in absolute 10 out of 10 games pretty much. And uh, if Nanai can take something from that and and, and, and see that, um, yeah, we've still got a series to win. So um, hopefully he, he, he puts out his best performance. That's an interesting situation that Queensland have got. And Friendy, you've talked about this a bunch. And I think, Chris, you have as well. The, the defensive uh, liability that DCE can be on that right-hand side. So you have Felice Cafusi, who's a very experienced player, inside of 
DCE, that helps the situation. Now you've got Nanai there, a bit of a bit of a weak link for Queensland friendly. Do you think New South Wales is going to be directing some traffic that way? Absolutely. It's our favoured side as well, going left for us. Um, defensively on the right-hand side, if you've got DCE, um, no, sorry, Jeremiah Nanai, DCE and Dane Gagai, well, Nathan Cleary and, and the likes out left, they're just licking their lips at that. Um, I believe Jairo will start at right edge for Queensland. So mm. we might just be talking about this for no reason. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I, I just I can't see how they start with defensively with Nanai, DCE and Gagai all next to each other. Just And even Cobo outside that. Like, I just, yeah, I can't see him doing that. One thing I've noticed is that Slater doesn't seem like the kind of guy to play funny buggers with this sort of stuff. And he also, he came out and said, like, to justify the selection of Nanai in the starting spot, he said that he noticed when he came off the bench, he was sort of unable to find the rhythm of the game quick enough to have the impact that they needed from the bench. Um, so what they wanted him to do was to settle into the game so that by the 30th minute or whatever, he'll be, you know, able to deliver the performances he does for the Cowboys. I think that's an interesting point of view. Who am I to say otherwise? But um, it seems a bit negative to me. Let's talk about New South Wales. Obviously, Payne Haas, Chris, is a huge out. Um, Jordan McLean playing good football for a, a, a very informed team, the Cowboys. Uh, what do you make of McLean coming in for Haas? Yeah, the, <laughs> the the later the more time has passed, I'm not as I don't dislike it as much as I initially did. But in terms of origin selections at the moment, it just seems to look at who's the next available Cowboy or Panther, to be honest, and then they just fill that fill ins automatically. <laughs> I, I I still think. Um, RCG is pretty stiff. To, I'm not exactly sure what he did wrong in game one or what they, they didn't like about it. The only thing I can think of is maybe it's like a um, an attitude thing similar to how Clamour was kind of exiled from. I've got something on it. Go on, Brendan. Yeah, so I heard it the other day in credit to Denon Kemp um, and his stats guy that uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard this year is tackle success rate or, or tackle percentage is, is 93% and Jordan McLean is 97.5 or something and they were looking at um, contact in the middle of the field, a little bit of wrestle um, and what's going to work best for them defensively and I think that's where McLean came out on top. It's more a defensive thing much to how they picked Jake Trebojevic in game two um, yeah, and to stop the momentum of Queensland that way rather than an attacking type of um, decision. Do you, Or do you that makes a lot of sense. Do you guys think that it will stunt the attack a little bit, like the go forward, given that Payne Haas is, you know, one in a million? Um, you can't replace him, um, but is it gonna is it gonna hurt the fact that they don't have the same punch? Yeah, well, Payne Haas is an absolute weapon. Um, if yeah, if we could have him, we'd love to have him attacking defensive. Doesn't matter. He, he's a he's a freak. Um, yeah, so we're obviously not going to be um, as good or not going to get as much front football because Painhas isn't there. So it's certainly going to affect us, but they've gone the defensive way about it. And I think they'll try and take out the the momentum of Queensland early and, and try and build on the top of that and hopefully get some points for New South Wales early and maybe shut the crowd up a little bit and, um, yeah, see how they go there. Because, yeah, without Painhas, it's going to be tough to create momentum in the middle. Interesting. Uh, Chris, you've mentioned that one of your favourite uh, Indigenous players ever is Jack Whiten, and he was in 
dare I say, phenomenal form in game one. He's missed out um, for game three. Um, he's the 18th player at this stage. Is that surprising? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty surprising. Um, I'm just trying to think. Oh, there was obviously I referenced on the last episode some hesitation about Whiten's he's a left hand um, ball carrier in just terms of if he's playing right center if you're not moving Burton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously I think what has made him miss out is the reluctance or maybe the desire to hold Cook on the bench still. But I, I think he has pretty good reason to be stiff. To be honest, he was our best player in game one, and. Even if, yeah, I think with Talakai there, I think they're worried if you're playing Whiten and Cook, there's not enough um, big boys on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he has. I think he has good reason to be pretty stiff, to be honest. And I, I probably would have. I'm not sure where, but I, I would have found a place for him at least somewhere in the 17. Yeah, I think it's a little bit stiff for Jack, especially given how he played uh, game one. He's certainly big, aggressive, and and that's what we like for our outside backs. So yeah, a bit harsh for him, um, but. They've obviously wanted to stick with Stephen Crichton for a reason, and I guess we'll see what happens on Wednesday night. We'll see how they go indeed. Uh, we will be having another episode before State of Origin, guys, by the way. I just thought I'd let you know that now. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll have another episode before Origin, so we'll definitely get into some more nitty-gritty before then. In the meantime, though, someone that was in the Queensland squad in Game 2 is uh, Reese Walsh. And uh, we, we have heard some personal details around his situation regarding leaving the Warriors I don't want to get into that right now. What I do want to get into is the fact that it sounds like the Broncos have signed him up on a reported $1.2-ish million for three years, which, you know, do your math, average it out, 400k a year. Friendy, you're a, you're a big Reese Walsh fan. You think he's going to be yeah. uh, one, of the, one of the very, very good players in our game for sure for years to come. Yep. This is obviously great business for Brisbane, but what do they do having two young prodigies, Walsh, Actually, three, really. Ezra Mam, Walsh, Selwyn Cobbo in the same squad. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I mean, you could probably just leave Selwyn on the wing for another year or two, and then eventually maybe when Reynolds moves on, do you have a halves pairing of, of Mam and, and Walsh and then Cobbo at the back? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's that, that's the plan I, I'd be looking at because Selwyn Cobbo, to me, he would be a dynamite fullback. He played, I think, 60 minutes there last week and made a heap of tackle busts and 180 metres, and yeah, he, he was pretty impressive in the wet um, when he did move back there. But, um, yeah, Walsh, I, I think at the moment, the only place he can play is fullback, so I guess that's where Brisbane will play him. Chris, you mentioned that you think that the way that they could make that work is with Cobo moving into the centres. The situation they've got, though, is they've got Herbie Farnworth and Katoni Staggs there. They've got a, a, an absolute riches of, of options in those positions. Yeah. Um, first thing I need to say, that's a great contract for Reese Walsh. He needs um, Luke Brooks' manager because he's getting that in one year next year. But, um, yeah, I agree with Friendly's point. I think Cobo's he's going to stay on the wing for now. It's more of a future planning issue that may come across in terms of, um, you know, what Cobo's desire is to play. In terms of Cobo, I actually thought he was poor defensively at fullback when he went there last week. Mm -hmm. I I thought he just placing was obviously um, defensive positioning. I don't think was good enough, nor was the urgency. Mm -hmm. I personally thought, I thought that was reason to, you know, think about it a little bit, but yeah, I think they've got to stick with Ezra Mann. He looks, um, you know, I think he's a really great, prospect especially playing outside of Reynolds where he doesn't really have to 
think much. He can just do the big hits, run the ball, and then obviously you're going to have Walsh at the back. But yeah, I think Caldwell's future might be in the centres, but um, just a real big body, um, you know, strong, hard runner. I think he has a bit of footy IQ about him as well, but Wilson might help out with his um, Corey Oates-esque hands early in his career, but that could always change. It's interesting that you you guys have both sort of spoken about, and this is the reason he's in the Queensland team, but the reason that maybe he should have been dropped from the Queensland team potentially is the fact that, I mean, Friendy, you're right, tackle breaks, he's just dynamite. And then Chris, you're right, some of the defensive areas, like, like they're really struggling, uh, but... Enough about him, I suppose. Kieran Reese Walsh, that sounds like great business for the Broncos. Yeah, 400k a year uh, to bring in a player like Reese Walsh. And um, yeah, I, I pretty much just got to echo what the boys said. You put Walsh to fullback, keep Cobo on the wing, and Mam in the half. So I was watching the, the Cowboys Broncos game on the weekend, and they brought up Mam's stats before the game. Um, I, I thought he'd played a bit more. Um, just looking at his stats, I was like, geez, this guy must have played at, at least 10 of the Broncos games this season because his stats were ridiculous. I can't remember what they were exactly, but um, yeah, definitely a very good player. There was a, a, an instance where, touching on Reese Walsh, but just to, to go on Ezra Mam, there was a, an instance in the game where he detected that Drinkwater was um, uh, up in the line, but we were they were about 40 metres out and he put in a, a chip a chip and chase attempt but Drinkwater took him out. Um, but it, it just speaks to, to how good his vision is and how confident he is as a, a young player. And I think Walsh is a, a similar kind of elk of player. Um, he he has that vision. He's got speed. He has got a passing game. I'm a great a great get for the Broncos. I, I do have to say this to the listeners that Kieran does know that the word is ilk. That's an in-joke. Corey Parker said it once on Fox Sports. It, it's ilk, not elk. And now it's time for... Fen- Gee, I hate this word. Phenomenal, 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 phenomenal trivia. Which I will host this week. We've got three questions, guys, as per usual. There's going to be a topical one regarding this season. There's going to be a bit of a a slight, like, recent-ish history question. Uh, And then there's a who am I with a tiebreaker at the end if we need it. Can I test buzzers, please, Friendy? Friendy. Chris? Chris. And dare I ask Kieran? Kieran. Oh, good. We're going to go with your name this time. All right. No worries. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, guys. Question one. Uh, l- uh, mouths on buzzers, I suppose. Um, which recent New Zealand representative leads the competition for post-contact meters? Kieran. Kieran. Oh, post-contact. You just said New Zealand International? Yeah. Recently represented them. Um... This feels like a crazy guess because he's not a forward, but Joey Manu. It's not Joey Manu. It's open. Friendy. Friendy. Um, geez, I don't even know. <laughs> Jerome Hughes. Not Jerome not Hughes. Not <laughs> Jerome Hughes. Chris. James Fisher Harris. It's not James Fisher Harris. It is Joe Tarpany. He's been in fantastic form. He's yeah, had that's fair. 1,109 post-contact meters this year. The only other two players to get above a 1,000 are Jason Tamalolo and CSC Fatalikai. Absolute wrecking ball. And Tapane has been in fantastic form. So that's a duck egg for all you guys so far. This one's a maybe a tricky one, um, but we'll see how we go. Which Bulldogs, Eels, and New Zealand legend was the first captain of the West Tigers joint venture? 
Bulldogs, Eels, and New Zealand legend. Friendy. Friendy. Jared McCracken. Oh, good get, Friendy. Let's go. That is that is that is excellent. I'm going to applaud that right now. Jared McCracken dead set played like eight games for the Tigers. Um, it was like it was yeah. minimal. I was unsure about that part. I knew the other two, and I knew the Kiwi part of it. And then yeah, I just figured they were formed around that time. He might have been finishing up. So yeah, yeah, but fantastic get, uh, Chris. You're a Tigers fan. You must be uh, bowing to Mr. Friend's knowledge right now. <laughs> Man, I had no fucking idea of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first the first coach, of course, was Wayne Pierce for the West Tigers in the year 2000. Okay, so, Friendy, you have a one-point advantage at this point. Uh, if anyone can get this, who am I? Instead of you, we'll go into a tiebreaker. Uh, otherwise, it'll be yours. So, who am I? I was born on the 27th of March, 1990. I grew up supporting the Sharks, and Matt Rogers was my favorite player. Throughout my schoolboy years at St. Brendan's College, I spent a lot of time playing as a hooker. I made my first grade debut in 2009, which was a 34-point loss to the Sharks, who I loved as a kid. Chris? Chris, going early. Is it Wade Graham? It's not Wade Graham. He's a year younger. Yeah, it's not Wade Graham, 1990. Uh, I'll keep going. My only other game in my rookie year was a 20-point loss to the Titans. To date, I've played over 280 first-grade games for two clubs. I've also represented my state and country, playing 13 Origins and seven times for Australia. Jeez. I've made one grand final appearance... My sister married one of my opponents from that match, believe it or not. Kieran? Kieran. Kieran? He still plays, right? He's if still, you're allowed to. Well, yeah, technically, yeah. It could be. Um, oh, I already know. I'm, um, no, the player I had in mind isn't who. I'll, let, I'll, 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 let, you, I'll let you withdraw if you don't want to go. Yes, I want okay. to withdraw. <laughs> okay. My sister married one of my opponents for that match. 13 origins, seven times for Australia, 281st grade games, two clubs. In the inaugural year of the under-20s competition, in 2008, I was named the player of the season. Friendy, Ben Hunt. Yes, Friendy. <laughs> well done. Well done. Jeez, I, I, th- I thought he was a year older than me. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Uh, I thought St. Brendan's was your poon. It is your poon. Or that area? Yeah, it, yeah. it is in your poon. Uh, I didn't. I very, I very deliberately did not reveal that at that point. Um, yes, he was named the player of the season in the first Toyota Cup. Uh, he made his first grade debut as a halfback, born in Rockhampton. Spent most of my career at halfback, dabbled at hooker, particularly at rep level. You would have got that by then. Currently in the Queensland squad, I'm unfortunately most famous for a dropped kickoff. My last name rhymes with bunt, punt. <laughs> I. I can't think of anything else. Hunt. Carmichael Hunt. It's very similar. Uh, here's, of course, Ben Hunt. Friendy, you are the winner of Phenomenal Trivia. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Phenomenal. Well done. Friendy. The, uh, the tiebreaker tonight was how many tries has Ben Hunt scored? And the answer was 69. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's possibly the creepiest thing I've ever done on a podcast. Let's move forward to round 17, boys. It's a truncated week with only four games because there's a whole bunch of... Half the competition has buys this week, of course, with State of Origin. So it starts on Thursday evening. It's the Sharks and Storm from Points Bet Stadium. 
reports are, as I said, Nico Hines has failed a rat, so he's awaiting a PCR test. If it's, of course, sorry, if it's positive, he won't play. Uh, if he gets a positive PCR, he has been named a halfback, of course. Talakai is out because of origin. For the Storm, there's no Harry Grant, no Cameron Munster, and no Felice Kafusi, who is, of course, still overseas. Friendy, who do you like here and why? Yeah, this week, Bo, it's a little bit harder for me here because I was going to tip Cronulla um, if Nico Hines was playing. But if he isn't playing, I, I'd really toss up tipping the Storm. So I guess for our listeners, I'll stick with Cronulla right now. If Hines is out, then maybe change that to the Storm. But yeah, Sharks for me. Yeah, um, I can't imagine Storm losing um, after last week. It'd be a good test to see if that um, you know that Storm ethos kind of hangs around where after a loss like that, even though they came back really late, it was quite embarrassing, to be honest. They were really poor. I think, yeah, I'm going to go Storm. Kira? Sharks. It's interesting to note that the last time we all said, oh, the Storm won't lose two in a row after they got towed by the Panthers, they lost two in a row getting towed by the Cowboys. Um, so it's possible. It's definitely possible. And with no Munster, no Grant, um, the Storm are still a very good team, though. They've still got a very good forward pack. Still got like Pappenhausen, Jerome Hughes. I'm going to go Storm. I'm guessing that Hines will actually be positive with COVID and he'll be out. So I'm going to go with the Storm for this one. The next game is the Knights and Rabbitohs. It's from McDonald Jones Stadium on Friday evening. No Ponga and Gagai for the Knights, but Braddon and Best and Jaden Braley are expected to return from long layoffs. Latrell captain for the first time, as I mentioned earlier, because there's no Cameron Murray, no Damian Cook, no Jai Arrow. They're all on origin duty. Campbell Graham had that facial injury, um, so he'll be out as well for an extended period. Chris, who do you like here and why? Uh, I think Campbell Graham's going to be a loss for South Sydney. I think he's done a good job on the edge there for him. I think uh, South Sydney will win. I think they beat um, Boyd after last week. Literally, as captain, will be interesting to see. But, yeah, I'm going to go South Sydney. Yeah, I'll be tipping South Sydney as well. Uh, I just I want to wait and see on Newcastle after last week. The Titans were so poor, I don't think it actually reflected anything on our form. Um, I think anyone would have beaten the Titans by that last week. So Souths are for me. Yeah, I'm going to go Souths, but that's got to be one of the smallest benches I've ever seen that they're fielding this weekend, ever. It's got Cody Nicarima and Blake Taft. Yeah, wow. I, I was thinking the Broncos have a small bench because they have Corey Pakes and Tyson probably, Gamble, but it's even smaller. Yeah, probably be a reshuffle, you'd think, especially in the wet. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I have tipped the Rabbitohs with not much confidence, though. And, Friendy, my goodness, you sound like me and Kieran um, being recent Cowboys fans where you're just, like, so <laughs> downtrodden. You expect your team to go poorly. I feel sorry for you, mate. That's just, like, that sucks. And... Speaking of uh, downtrodden fans, uh, the next game is the Tigers and Eels from Leichhardt Oval on Saturday evening. Uh, I am going to go to you first, Kieran, but I, I can't wait to hear what you think about this, Chris. Adam Dewey has moved into the centres from the bench, so I suppose he's getting closer to that 5-8th role. Uh, there's no James Roberts, while Justin Matamua makes his NRL debut from the bench. I don't know much about him. Um... Junior Paolo is the only out for the Eels that I can think of. Uh, they are boosted by the return of Ryan Madison. Kieran, who do you like here and why? Uh, whilst I think the Tigers and Sipper performance versus the Warriors surely won't be repeated again, I think the Eels will take this one to push their top four hopes. Parramatta by heaps. Yeah. And Chris, um, a prediction first, and then how are you feeling about the uh, positions that the players are taking for the Tigers? <laughs> uh, Parramatta. I'm going to this game, actually. 
uh, it'll be good to be on the hill at Leichhardt. Uh, mm. Probably, well, I'll be well cut to probably forget what's actually happening on the field, though, which will be nice. <laughs> um, in terms of the position, so as we alluded to, so Adam Dewey played in the bench last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe they're just holding him back. He comes on the field to play as 5'8". He does pretty much all the kicking in-game when he's on. Mm-hmm. Luke Brooks is at nine. So natural natural logic assumes, okay, they're just easing him back. Okay, next week, James Roberts gets dropped. Adam Dewey's in centre. Luke Brooks, it is still at 5'8". And then a hooker is now on the bench in place of... Um, Simpkins now on the bench in place of where Dewey's bench spot was. And it's just, if anyone, like, I'm at my wit's end trying to understand what the fuck they are doing. Like, it's to the point where Adam, Adam Dewey's a good player at the shittest fucking team in the league, and he can't get his preferred position. Because Luke Brooks, 190 games, is apparently just unmovable. Like, we just can't move him. It is just, it is against God's will to, to drop this person. <laughs> like, like I'm just sick of this fucking idiot. And again, like I don't, I have nothing against Luke Brooks personally. I really don't. He just shouldn't be playing first grade. But it's just like, like Adam do you watch a Tigers game previous years? Adam Dewey's the only one who who looks like he's played football before. <laughs> and Luke, got, Luke Brooks has got a bit of the De Niro in the Untouchables going. We start calling him Al Capone. He's just untouchable. <laughs> they'll get him on his taxes, though. That's the thing. They'll, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, work, they'll work it out through accounting. Got, yeah, well, it'll be a lot of taxes collect next year when he's kind of <laughs> getting $1.3 million. That's and Adam Dewey will probably... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, like, honestly, I'm just at my wit's end trying to understand what the fuck they're doing. And Brett, you listen to Brett Kamali press conference. He, he sounds like a, like a, a moron. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And yeah, I'm just and we saw the the news story today where Adam Dewey demanded that he plays five eight or or put me in New South Wales Cup, which I think is totally fair. Play him in his preferred position. He's the best player at the club, or second best. The two best players there are the halves pairing, Jackson mm. Hastings and Adam Dewey, and you're not going to play them together. Mm. It's just it's a fucking joke, honestly. Yeah, it's 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 insane. It, it's just absolutely ridiculous, and I really feel for you, Chris. To be honest, mate. <laughs> no, no other club would have this problem with this situation with these players. No other club would do this. I'm not saying would be a good team. I'm not saying would would be an amazing team with those two there, but they should be the halves. Yeah. No other club. It's fucking. It's infuriating beyond belief. It really, really is. It's it is uh, it is infuriating as a as a neutral I'm, I'm strictly neutral on this one but yeah uh, Dewey is is definitely one of the better players of that club for sure like definitely top three there's no question about it like how is he not anyway like let's let's move well, just on just fa- a final point I just want to raise is that so Luke Brooks was asked about it today he said he thinks Adam Dewey's best position is 5A Adam Dewey said it was 5A they asked Joe Offengawi one of the only blokes this year like we've talked about Bo who's actually having a crack this year. He's playing really well. Mm. And he said Adam Dewey's, he thinks Adam Dewey's best position is in the middle of the field where he gets his hand on the ball, where he's not isolated standing at centre. Like, all these fucking players have the idea, but <laughs> look, it doesn't matter which coach. The coaches don't. It doesn't matter who. None of the, the board knows. It's just, yeah, anyway. Paramount will win. <laughs> yes, I think Parramatta will win. I agree with you. <laughs> the last game on Sunday afternoon is from Suncorp Stadium. It is the Broncos and Dragons. The Broncos forward pack is 
almost unrecognisable because of state of origin and injuries. And there are some changes in the back line. So they, they're heavily under strength. Uh, the Dragons are only missing Ben Hunt. Of course, Ben Hunt is their best player. So that's a big loss for them. Jaden Sullivan is at halfback. Friendy, uh, how, do you, how do you read this one? Yeah, well, I had the Broncos picked like all week, really. I know it's only Wednesday, but I really think I'm going to have to tip the Dragons on just on the back of experience. There's some kids there for Brisbane who they, they could just get eaten alive by this really tough, uncompromising Dragons pack. So I'm going to have to tip the Dragons, but really reluctantly. Yeah, I agree. Um, Dragons forward pack, like Friendy mentioned, are pretty brutal. I reckon they've got one of the toughest packs in the competition. And as of late, they've really started to put it together a bit. So I think it'll be close, but I'm going to go St. George as well. Yeah, the Dragons are one of those teams where I I find it really hard to, to buy into them and, and what they're doing this season, but they just keep on... on uh, I don't know if they're in the eight, but they they keep on staying thereabouts. Yeah, I'll have to tip them. Yeah, I'm also I'm going for the Dragons as well. This is not quite baby Broncos level, but it's like... It's like halfway there if the broncos can beat the dragons and and do it convincingly i I would say it's yeah it's it's in that sort of territory so good luck to both teams of course and good luck to everybody on this panel for the next little segment with bold predictions friendy is of course the master of bold predictions at the moment two in a row can he make it three friendy what do you got uh i've got former tiger uh mitchell moses to score 20 points or more uh including a try this weekend (sighs) Well, I've just made him captain of my fantasy team, so that would be uh, that would be exquisite for me. Kieran, what's your bold prediction this week? Um, I'd forgotten mine until now, so now I'm really hoping Hines plays because I've got Sharks to win by 16-plus and the Cowboys, as a result, to be second by the end of the round. I had someone get really excited to me about that recently, like at cricket, that it's like, oh, yeah, the Cowboys are going to be second if the Storm, you know. I'm just like, I don't, it's, it's round 17. I don't care. Like, like second or third does not matter to me. We're all going to lose to the Panthers anyway. Chris, what's your bold prediction this week? All right, so I'm going that all games will have a winning margin of greater than 10. So there will be no wins under 10 points or win by 10 or more. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for Captain Luttrell. I think Luttrell's going to score a try and assist another and run for 150 metres which is not exactly his game style. So 150 metres, try assist, and a try for Captain Luttrell. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. Panelists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson, and Daniel Friend, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.